This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. This is Jonathan Jordan. I'm here with Nate Condon and Clint Walkner today, and we've got some exciting news here at Walkner Condon. And so, uh, Clint, what we got going on? Well, we have a new advisor. That's pretty big news, that I'd say. Big news. That's big news. Big news. And we've added to the credentials of the firm. Like as if Mitch wasn't enough being an MBA, John being a CFP. Now we've added a PhD to our group. I'm not sure what if do we have about enough Nate? room Nate, on Nate, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I mean, I'd like to have those letters after my name. I would too. I mean, you know. I, yeah, I mean, that's that's really great. And and we're super excited about to have him here and so, well, we should probably introduce the man in the room uh, that everybody's going to care about here, and that's uh, Keith Ponywas. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for joining Walkner Condon. Oh, uh, it's it's really exciting, and uh, you know, one of the things I was most excited about was this this podcast itself. Um, you know, I've I've been a radio kid uh, growing up. I listened to Bob Euchre late into the evening. You know, here in Wisconsin, uh, probably was a little red eyed waking up in the morning uh, listening to Bob Euchre before I'd go to sc- you know late at night to go to school the next day. But so I love radio. I love podcasts. I I love also to just hear myself talk. So I got a question <laughs> for you. <laughs> so I got a question for you. Yeah. When you were listening, I don't know if it was in the Madison area because I do know it was in the Milwaukee area. Did was Bruce Williams on after the Brewer games when you were growing up? Was that something that happened for no, you? No. Okay, think so in the Milwaukee area, we had Bruce Williams, who was like uh, the the previous one to your Susie Orman, and uh, who's that other dude that has that's the debt dude? What's his name? Uh, oh, you're talking about uh, oh, Dave Ramsey. Dave, Dave Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. yeah. So he was like the precursor to all of them, and so he was on right after the Brewer games, and that's actually how I kind of got into finance because he would talk about stocks and personal finance right after the Brewer games. Wow, that's interesting. I kind of blast from the past there. That's right. When was that? Uh, I mean, that was growing up. So I was that was like 80. I mean, I was a little kid listening to him at like 83, 84. Wow. I mean, I was literally like six, seven, eight years old when and I was listening to Bruce Williams. And, after and until uh, current day, that was really the last time they were good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, they threw a couple of partial seasons in there. Yeah. Here yeah. and there. Yeah. yeah. The Phil Garner years. Yeah. They, were, they were dark years. Davy yeah. Lopes. Uh, yeah. So, so I know a lot of you tuning in. So, you, you know, you know, why are we expanding and why are we growing? And as our firm has gone through some changes, it's, you know, our, our goal is to become the top fee-only fiduciary firm here in Madison. And we want to offer great client experience. And one of the things that we were finding is that there were, there were people that wanted to work with us and clients who had family that, you know, had spe- situations that were a little bit different. Maybe they were living overseas and there were, there were things that we uh, wanted to do to help people and we would actually refer those people to Keith at his previous firm because we knew that that you know he this is something he was well versed in and with his background and the way that he would work with clients and so you know Keith if you want to tell us a little bit about your experience and uh, you know what led you here yeah uh, so you know I didn't originally uh, choose to be a financial advisor though I think I got a, a good uh, head start in that uh, you know some of my previous clients have already heard me talk about my parents who are both uh, accountants. And so I like to joke that my brother and I were the only kids on the block who had to double entry bookkeep our allowances. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I had a good background in, in finance. And when I was, uh, you know, 
growing up as well, I took a couple of investing classes, and I remember very clearly, as maybe you guys do as well, that you know the Black Monday in 1987, and sitting around the dinner table talking about that with my parents. So I was very lucky in that sense that I got a, a good financial education very early on. Um, and maybe off the air that we can swap stories about my parents because uh, most of these guys know them as well. Uh, but then, uh, you know, it was sort of interesting. I went to the premier economic school, I think, in the country, uh, the University of Chicago. I'm sure somebody's going to send an angry email about that. Um, but I majored <laughs> in comparative literature, and uh, I lived a year in Spain, found I loved Europe, uh, loved learning languages, uh, learned so much in that year about myself, about, fr uh, about Spanish at that point, that I really got interested in, in teaching literature, found uh, I had a love for it. Um, I thought about teaching high school. Um, I loved to coach soccer, so I did that for a year, but it just wasn't a, a kind of perfect fit, I thought. So I ended up um, jumping. Uh, I moved, packed up everything, moved to Paris for three or four months, uh, applied to graduate schools, uh, got into the University of Pennsylvania, uh, studied there for a long time, lived in France, uh, worked in France, uh, and that was one of the first experiences I had, you know, back then, uh, my my dad called me up and he goes, well, you're living in France, you know, what do we do with your taxes? And so we had to do all the research um, and we, we found out about the foreign earned income exclusion and all those sorts of things. So I had this in the back of my mind and then, um, you know, I taught for several years. Um, I kind of bounced around. If, uh, the academic job market at that time wasn't great. I also realized I missed Madison. Um, I love it here. I'm, I'm, I think, really part of the community. I like the people here. Um, and so I was looking around at ideas. I, I joined uh, Merrill Lynch, learned a lot there. Um, one of the problems there, though, was I couldn't use this unique background to work with international clients. Um, they just weren't, you know, it w and for reasons we can talk about, it wasn't a, a thing that they wanted me to work with. So I, I moved to another firm that specialized in working with uh, international clients, uh, learned a lot of the fundamentals um, there, but then I started learning more and more and realized that, you know, I needed to kind of build something uh, that was going to fit all of my clients' needs. And really, I started, you know, talking to John, and, and then I talked to Clinton and Nate, and they said, hey, what do you need? We want to give it to you. And I couldn't be happier to be here for that sense. I mean, I really feel like we're working together, you know, to serve all of their clients now. Um, you know, we want people to think wherever they go in life, you know, geographically or whatever, we're going to be able to handle them. And I think that's something, you know, that we all agree on is that this isn't a, a one day or a one week or a one year relationship. We all want to build relationships with families for a long time. We're all relatively young guys in this business, so we have a long time to go. Um, and I think that's really something that, that appealed to me about joining here. Well, I, I can tell you we're ecstatic to, to have you and, and to have the opportunity to uh, to have you around the office with your unique background and your experiences. I know that that's really what drives what this firm is all about. It's why I made the decision to come here 14 months ago. And I know that the reason that that was successful is because I chose to come here to help my clients. Mm -hmm. I felt like this was the best place for them to be, for me to serve them for a long time. I knew it was the best place for me to grow. And, you know, since then to be able to add Mitch with his background to partner up with him and to uh, to become business partners here with Nate and Clint. I know that that, for me, was exciting, and you're in the first couple of days of this, but we're excited to have you here. Um, <clears throat> I know you, you talked a little bit about your, your soccer coaching, and I've gotten to know you over the years here in Madison. 
You uh, did you volunteer? You were a coach over at Middleton, right? Yep. So I played at, at Middleton High School, uh, which was uh, you know we when we were there we were a, a nationally uh, ranked team. Uh, my sophomore year in the country, I was starting goalkeeper for the 13th uh, ranked team in the country, um, and then uh, I played as well. You know, my junior and senior years, we were state ranked, qualified for the state tournament. Um, Do you so think you guys would have been ranked in the top ten if you would have stopped a few more goals? Uh, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, we were undefeated, uh, so uh, we lost in the state semifinals that year. So Lots I think of ties. If we had uh, 24-1-3. That's a great record. Yeah. Um, that is an excellent record. Yeah, and uh, we won those three matches in, in penalty kicks. So um, I, I think I did a, a, a fairly good job. Um, but so, you know, soccer has always been a, a key point in my life. So when I moved back, uh, I was a volunteer soccer coach for the Middleton High School uh, soccer team. Uh, excitingly, uh, a couple of years ago, we made it to the state tournament, state semifinalists again. Uh, I've had you know kids uh, grow up, and they've you know kids I've coached uh, have gone and played professionally. Uh, one of them is now uh, a uh, assistant coach here at the UW for the men's soccer program. Uh, played in the MLS, went to Middleton. Um, I've had kids you know go grow up and become coaches, which is great fun. Uh, one of my former former uh, players is now doing marketing for uh, the new Madison soccer team, Forward Madison FC. And through my involvement in another soccer organization here in Madison Millennium Soccer Club, uh, which is a soccer club for low-income youth, kind of in you know the south, southern part of, uh, of Madison, um, they're, they're really active, and, and you know the kids pay next to nothing for uniform and equipment. And, um, and so Forward has also been a big supporter of that. So soccer has been a big part of my life. And one thing I'll tell you is if you, know, you, you uh, ever want to make friends in, in Europe, you, know, uh, you explain to them that you're an American who loves soccer. And you know, people would love it because I could very quickly identify the American who played for the local you know, soccer club. So, like when I was in Seville, uh, there are two clubs: there's Sevilla and Betis, and it's a you know it's a rivalry. It's uh, it's probably more intense than Bears Packers. Um, and uh, you know, I people would say, well, which team do you support? And I could say, I support Betis because uh, Tab Ramos, an American, played there. And then uh, you know, then I could work on my Spanish for the next hour and a half because they'd you know blab your ear off about everything that they ever heard about Betis. <laughs> so. It was a you know a lot of fun in that way you know everywhere I went people were always enjoyed that and I enjoy I love talking soccer so it's something that um, has opened up doors for me around the world as I, well. I can speak on behalf of Nate and Clint and we're all looking forward to that blog post you're going to write on soccer at some point or we could have a podcast about <laughs> I'm, it. I'm I, hoping the uh, analytics behind soccer because I I'm always fascinated by all of that and I I think that soccer is one of those things that you haven't heard as much analytical. Uh, breakdowns on and I'd be really interested to hear about that being the most popular sport in the world and the most fans and the most eyeballs watching it I'm surprised that you don't hear more about that or maybe you hear more about it overseas but we well, don't you know, yeah we don't hear well the it, it's it's something it's a little like uh, you know in analytics in uh, the US you know uh, for depending on the age of the fan you know some of them think it's just kind of silly um, but a lot of clubs are using it um, and Billy Bean actually the you know guy about whom Moneyball was written and the movie was made, is uh, a big analytics and soccer guy. He followed Arsenal uh, for a long time, which is a club in London, uh, and kind of looked at their analytics. Uh, and then Fenway Sports Group owns my favorite club, uh, which is Liverpool Football Club. Uh, and they, when they first got started, they really tried to bring a Moneyball approach into 
uh, Liverpool. Uh, and it, I think, helped establish the base of the club. Some of the, I think, supporters weren't fully on board. Um, but, you know, they've shifted now into the later stage of the Red Sox approach, which it's, a, you know, you find the guy that you want, you pay top dollar for him, you find that missing piece. Um, and so they're, they're now, you know, leading the, the Premier League. Uh, it's going to be an exciting run-in. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. That's, you know, I can only have one cup of coffee now a day because that... <laughs> I'll get too excited and I'll, uh, you know, bore you with so you know, you're statistical it's, details about Liverpool. It's kind of like how we found you. You go out there and you find the top guy out there that does something really well. I'll tell you one other thing too. You you did share with us about your, um, you know, your high school that team that you're on, which that's a, actually a great accomplishment because there are a lot of soccer players playing youth and high school soccer. But I would think that your greatest athletic accomplishment occurred with me when we entered a golf tournament together. And although the first two days we did not play as well, but at the end, you know, there is a best of the worst losers bracket called the Slugfest. We and were you the, and I, we, we, we could have sat it out. Munchkins and we could have sat it out, but we went up against 25 other teams. And I do believe, I think that you, uh, you, you stuck the first shot in an alternate shot format to about 35 feet on the green, though. It kept us in it. We were giving a stroke. I think I hit that downhill side winded putt, and I believe that I was actually riding the pony on the club, <laughs> on the putter. About eight feet out, you and I both knew it was going in. Yeah, and then I think we won on the next hole, didn't we? Yeah, we took well, that you, one home. Yeah, we. Uh, you the hit a you hit a great drive, I think, and then mm-hmm. uh, I hit a sand shot to about six feet. Yep, and you missed lag- the putt by lagged, lagged it, it to lagged an inch, it, and yep. then we made it. And in fact, I'll be honest, I was a much better soccer player than golfer. I am, uh, but one That's of why my, we were in the losers bracket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both of us. But one of my you know fondest uh, sports memory was uh, when I was a freshman in high school. I, I won the freshman sophomore invitational for the Big Eight, which is the local, uh, was the local conference here. I don't know what what it goes by now here in Madison. Uh, I shot an 80 uh, on a windy day at, at the local golf course, and I it was one of those like classic scenarios where you're battling against the guy that you think is right right with you. You know, there's no scoreboard, there's nothing, but you know it was just you know, and you don't have anybody else to rely on. And, you know, for someone like me who a a mishit shot just, you know, it's why I was a goalkeeper in soccer. I'm a perfectionist. Um, You know, it it was it was just a thrilling experience. So, yeah, I've played a lot of golf. I have a love hate relationship with golf. The the biggest thing for me about golf is it's something I can do with my family. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, my dad is a huge golfer. My brother is a big golfer as well. And so it's really a great way to connect with my family. You know, I think uh, from. From April to uh, uh, about, you know, sometimes Thanksgiving Day here in Madison, which is pretty cold, uh, you can find my dad on the golf course more than at his house. So, um, and if he's not, you know, at the golf course, he's watching golf on TV. So, you know, it's a really easy way for me to spend four hours with him and, and hang out with him. Um, so, yeah, I love I, I love hate would be the way I would put it with golf. <laughs> I think golf, golf is a way you can get to know people, too. And I know that uh, all of us here at the office, you know, we enjoy our time when we can get away and, and get a little mental break and just build relationships with people. And I'd say, Keith, for me, I mean, in, in knowing you over the last five years, you know, that, that weekend that we spent doing that, it was a lot of fun, but it also let me get to know you as a person. You know, I knew you professionally. I knew that you were extremely gifted, definitely the smartest guy at our firm. I think all of us would agree. Coming in the door, we we are we are very excited to have you. But um, that was one of the things that really stood out for me as you as a person. All of us have gotten to know your father, um, know a little bit about your family, know about your community involvement around here. 
So, you know, I, I think those are the things that, you know, we, we really look forward to what you're going to build and what you're going to add to what we're doing here and how we're growing. Um, because there's a lot going on this year. And I know that the only way that we're going to be able to do that is to have people that care about and put our clients needs first, making sure that we are, are doing the best that we can to give them, you know, great financial advice and be able to help them manage their goals and, and put their plan together for them. We need to have people like you. And so having you on is, is, is a great addition to us. Yeah. And Keith, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, just have you talk about a little bit is how one goes from such an academic background and studies so hard, gets your PhD and then has to transition to uh, more analytical math based sorts of things. So how does your background, how are you able to kind of assimilate from stuff that's like literature over to, uh, you know, more of a math based analytics sort of field? Mm -hmm. Well, I think in both financial advising and in, you know, being a professor, and it's one of the reasons why I really uh, appreciated what you guys were offering and, you know, when I talked to you and when I saw on your website and what I've heard from this this podcast is that, um, you know, one of the, the things about it is in both cases it's about educating people. Um, and, and educating is ultimately, and it's also the same thing with coaching, it's taking big, complicated things and breaking them that down into easily digestible chunks. Um, I think, you know, uh, all of you have coached youth sports, and a kid doesn't start swinging the baseball bat or the golf club the right way right away. You have to build them up to it, and so you have to figure out the way to, to build things and break it down. And, you know, like me, a lot of my clients don't do this full time. This isn't their gig, right? Um, and so one of the things I think my clients uh, that I have really tried to stress is I want to listen to them, hear what they're worried about, hear what they don't understand, hear what they've heard and, and are worried about in the market, and then be able to, you know, communicate to them how uh, their portfolio is working towards their long-term goal how their portfolio is built to handle this particular disruption in the market um, and also you know speak to hey you know we're we're planning for this we're thinking about this we're you know worrying about this these are all things that you know i think made the transition very easy and i i tell people i think teaching is is a skill that doesn't get enough credit um in an industry like ours because i think the best advisors i've known are teachers you know they want to talk to their clients they want their clients to feel comfortable and they want them to know what they're doing for them and i think that's something that um that background made that transition very easy and then you know like i said I, i'd always had an interest in the markets um you know it, it, part of it was it was something so radically different um from uh what i was doing at the time that it was a good mental break you know i think it's you know, it was like looking at the markets, thinking about them. And, you know, and, and as I was writing my, my dissertation, uh, you know, the, the kind of big stock market crash of 2008, 2009 was going on. And just for whatever reason, my friends were calling me up and saying, hey, Keith, what's, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening like it is? Here's what I've heard, and, and what do you think? And I found I had a gift for explaining it to people. Um, I think because of, you know, repressed childhood memories of, of accountancy or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it just kind of, when I, when I was looking around for a new career, it, it made a lot of sense. And then the other thing that um, I think all of, all of you guys put a big emphasis on is, is written communication. And it's a skill, you know, working in literature that you have to develop and, you know, be able to, you know, 
handle information, break it out, explain it in written form as well. And so, yeah, these were just skills at all. Well, I think also a skill that uh, that you have, you know, with reading and, and doing everything you've done in your background, and understanding history and understanding that history rhymes and being able to kind of call back to certain experiences in the market and take that that sort of uh, historical uh, look at it and say, hey, now's not the time to freak out. It looks just like 1987 or 19 or 2008 or the tech bust. And, and you've done plenty of reading, I'm sure, on all of that and being <laughs> able to you know, send that out to clients and say, hey, this is just history rhyming again. Don't yeah. worry about it. Well, I think we've seen it in, in recent you know, events, right? The market had a rough end of year and now we're in a you know, position where it seems to be recovering. But, you know, clients value that experience and expertise and your ability to, you know, uh, talk to them and appreciate their fears because I think we all have them, you know. Uh, late at night, you know, we, we sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and think of a new worry. Uh, but, you know, being able to put them in perspective and be able to think about, okay, what, wh what's happening in the economy at large right now, you know, or what's happening in the bigger picture? And, you know, I'm, I'm sure... You know, your clients appreciate that about you, and it's something that I'm excited to, to offer as well. Can you speak a little bit about why uh, when when um, U.S. citizens travel abroad or, or even decide to move abroad, I mean, why why is finance such a difficult topic for them to kind of get their arms around? I mean, other than just kind of the obvious, um, you know, currency exchanges and, and kind of understanding the logistics of it. I mean, why? what are the challenges that they're presented with that they might not be thinking about? Yeah, so the, the first thing is when you move abroad, everything that you've taken for granted becomes a major challenge, right? Uh, going to the store, especially if it's in a language that you don't speak, going to the store and, and buying bread, you know, uh, that, that gets different. In France, you know, you have to go to three different stores to buy your groceries, right? Uh, you know, they do have a supermarket, but you're not going to get the good baguette there. Um, so first of all, your life becomes incredibly difficult. The second thing is um, basically it started – in 2008, 2009, uh, many people will, will remember the, the passage of a law called FATCA, the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act. And by itself, it didn't cause the problems um, that a lot of Americans are now seeing. Um, but what it did is it established a, a system that all foreign accounts around the world now have to give information to the U.S. government. And so for a long time, uh, and so... The U.S. actually has one of the weirdest kind of setups in terms of taxation in the world, which we, and if you ever want to win a trivia, uh, Eritrea is the other country, have citizenship-based taxation. And this was actually a legacy of the Civil War. Um, so if you're a United States citizen, no matter where in the world you live, you have to pay taxes to Uncle Sam. Now, we have a, for a long time, because nobody got any information about foreign accounts, as long as you know you deposited your paycheck where you were and, and all of that, nobody in the United States cared about your investments. Well, all of a sudden, this Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act made people realize that the, the foreign mutual funds they had been investing in, you know, you live in Spain, you go to your local bank, you say, hey, I'd like to you know, buy a, an index, a European index fund um, or a European mutual fund. Well, what those actually are for, for U.S. rules are what are called passive foreign investment companies. And that's a law that came about in the 1970s um, because um, essentially when bond interest rates were so high in the late 70s, people were making all of this money, getting taxed at this high rate. So they came up with a kind of tax strategy 
to move, set up a foreign holding company, hold all their bond interest, you know, not pay taxes off because they're offshore, and then send it back to the United States. So then that became a concern for Americans abroad. The other thing is, as part of the Patriot Act, as you know, we're all aware, know your client became a very important issue. And so when you started putting all of these things together, a lot of the big firms started looking at it and going, oh my goodness, this is such a headache. We have to think about PFIX. We have to think about you know, just the basics, currency. You know, can they contribute to an uh, IRA account here in the U.S.? Can they, you know, do a Roth IRA? What, what tax questions are they going to have? What tax ramifications of what we're doing are going to have? Are the investments we're selling them here legal in the country where they are at? So I think a lot of the big firms looked at this and, you know, thought of it as a, a compliance nightmare. They thought, oh, my goodness, we're, you know, if we have some advisor in some random part of the world, you know, of the U.S., and he's got somebody living in Spain and he screws them up, we're going to get sued and that's going to cause us a problem. Um, the other thing for a lot of these big firms uh, is they looked at it and they said, you know, we do a lot of business with the governments. You know, now with all of this FATCA and GATCA was the other, that's a global account tax compliance act that a whole bunch of countries, but not the U.S. signed up for. The U.S. said, well, we're, we're okay. We're getting everything we need from FATCA, <laughs> so we don't need to join up with you guys. Um, so... They started looking at that, and I think they said, well, okay, we do a lot of business with these countries in terms of helping them issue bonds, helping them do these big things that for individual investors, it's just not worth, you know, the risk. Um, a couple of, you know, uh, American uh, broker-dealers, independent broker-dealers ha work with expatriates um, and specialize them, and I think each platform has advantages for the client. And so I think, you know, that's the, the thing about working with Walkner Condon is we're going to, you know, we're building out a, a setup so that we can find the right platform for the right, for the, the right fit for the client. Too. Well, and we, when we would get clients that would, or prospects that would ask questions about these issues, that's why we would refer them over to you is because we knew that it was a little bit outside of our, our expertise and things that we could help with. But now having you aboard, that's why we're excited is to be able to to have somebody in that role that is experienced and driven and that's client-focused and fits with our culture, and you definitely are going to be a great addition. I do want to make sure for anyone out there that are current clients of WalknerCon and that you understand if you have questions um, and you want to find out a little bit about our growth, feel free to reach out to us or talk to us when you come in for a meeting. But this is, this is really a huge addition for us, and we're really excited. It's not going to have any impediment to the excellent client service and experience that we deliver to all of our current clients and that we want to deliver to any of your family or friends or people that want to work with our firm. I do want to let you know too, if you have people in your life that do live overseas and ask questions or looking for somebody and, and maybe haven't been able to find them, that you know we're open for business in that area and we'd, we'd be happy to have you uh, make an introduction. We can make an introduction to Keith and, and hopefully those people would have the opportunity to work with, with our firm and, and be able to realize um, some of the uh, experiences that we can bring, um, you know, even though they're overseas. So, so, Keith, we're super excited to have you. I know I speak on behalf of everybody here at the firm. You know, welcome. And we're looking Thank forward to, to lots of great content and laughter and conversation. So until next time, this is Give Me Some Truth, and I hope you have a great week. You got to leave your money Yeah. That's the masses.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.